Dennis, lovely to have you back again. And uh, what have we got on the on the program for today? Well, Jane, I think we'll take up a topic that we frequently look at, but it's very appropriate for discussing today, and that is the way in which using warming herbs as part of the diet can have a remarkable effect on health, particularly the prevention of illnesses. Fascinating topic. We'll do justice to it. Darren, you've rung in on 49216216 from Mayfield with a question about turmeric for Dennis. Hello, Dennis. Thanks for your show, mate. Thank you very much, um, Darren. Thank you. Um, I've started taking turmeric on, on your advice, but um, I was on, on YouTube the other day and they said you don't get the full benefits from it unless you take it with black pepper. Okay. Does that sound right? Let me explain that to you. Um, Depending on how you're wanting to use turmeric, if you're wanting to harness some of its therapeutic properties, uh, particularly its anti-inflammatory properties, um, the first thing you should know is that it's not an easy herb to be well assimilated. In other words, its chemistry is not easily taken up by the gut. And this has been fairly well known. And if you look at uh, traditional ways in which turmeric has been used, as for instance in curry, you'll find that it is appended uh, to things like black pepper and other substances. And that is not just, uh, uh, you know, put there for fun. It's a recognition that sometimes some herbs require being combined with other herbs to get their best benefit. Now, it is true to say that uh, combining um, the, the, the herb turmeric with black pepper does ensure or improve the uptake of the active principle curcumin from turmeric and therefore elicits a more efficient therapeutic effect. But there are other substances which work as well, just don't limit uh, the uh, action to black pepper and turmeric. In some of my combinations, what I have done is note what's happening around the world where turmeric and particularly its active known as curcumin is being used very very seriously in both oncology and in the in the management of inflammatory diseases and there it is being combined increasingly with an enzyme known as bromelain b-r-o-m-e-l-a-i-n now bromelain is is one of the constituents from pineapple and bromelain is what's called a proteolytic enzyme. It is a very efficient enzyme in improving uh, protein digestion and uptake, but it works, if you like, as a synergist uh, for letting loose the activity of curcumin, particularly from turmeric. So these days, in my use of turmeric and in my formulations, which incorporate the active curcumin from turmeric, I tend these days to veer in the direction of using bromelain uh, to get an additional, uh, how can you call it, anti-inflammatory effect. Put it this way, bromelain, which I've spoken about on this program previously, is relatively unknown, unfortunately, because when you study it, you'll find it has remarkable properties. And one of those remarkable properties is that it has an anti-inflammatory effect itself without being combined with anything else. So where one uses, say, turmeric, and preferably the curcumin isolate from it, to say address mild levels of arthritis uh, and, and other joint conditions, which myself is managing presently, um, you find that you blend curcumin, which has anti-inflammatory action, with bromelain, which has anti-inflammatory action, but bromelain also enhances the uptake of curcumin. I, haven't, I hope I haven't gone too far around the, uh, beating the bush here, but I know... I know that this is a very popular 
uh, an interesting topic, and I know that from the number of people that ring us on the program and who come into our rooms and ask questions about it and who indeed are using it. And it's quite a remarkable breakthrough. And let me emphasise this to listeners. It's quite a remarkable breakthrough for the milder levels of inflammatory joint conditions. Now, when um, curcumin and bromelain are put together, you get a superb and very safe way of addressing milder levels of arthritic activity particularly without some of the downside associated with some modern pharmaceuticals. So what you said was right, that black pepper is a good synergist to improve the uptake of turmeric, but if one is using turmeric, and particularly it's active, to address an inflammatory condition, it's better to see it synergised by bromelain. What's bromelin? Is it a herb? Bromelin's a supplement that you can get easily from our health food stores and from our pharmacies. It comes in a powder, it comes as a capsule, and I want to emphasise to listeners again, it is a remarkable substance and I would find it difficult to treat some of the chronic diseases that I treat, things like sinusitis, which is an inflammatory condition, without access to bromelin. I know we haven't said that much about it, although increasingly we are, and I think once listeners begin to see its importance, discuss it with your pharmacist, discuss it with your health food store proprietor, I think you'll find that what I've said this morning could be of great assistance for inflammatory conditions, particularly the milder ones of the joints. It might be a really good time now, as it's certainly getting colder at the moment, Dennis, mm. to talk about warming herbs. Look, I think it is important. What triggered me to take this topic up again today was that... Uh, I was watching Michael Mosley's program on television the other night and uh, there was a very fascinating segment on the use of chilies. In fact, the chili competition that was staged would have to be uh, one of the most interesting TV programs I've watched to see the way in which people uh, can handle chil- chilies of various strengths. But quite apart from that... Most, so what did that involve? Uh, 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 cutting uh, uh, them and then putting your finger in your eye? <laughs> not, not quite that, but clo- not. close enough to it. But what came out of it was the, what we've always known, but which was very well put by, by, that, uh, by that doctor, that... Um, Chilies, or what we call capsicum, hot chilies, uh, all of, of course are in varying strengths, have profound therapeutic properties. And I think this is something that needs to be emphasised over and over again that food is always your best medicine. And the way in which chili was promoted or presented as, a, as an agent which achieves a lot of benefits, particularly for what we might call cold conditions. Now, let me explain that. Cold conditions in our system of naturopathic medicine usually involve um, conditions where circulation is poor and and where people experience cold abnormally. And I think I mentioned on this program a number of weeks ago, a listener who years ago rang me um, very early on a Sydney program uh, from Tasmania, and I recommended that he use uh, chilli capsules to address his constant cold peripheral conditions and he rang back months later and and just boasted about the way in which the use of of chili ongoingly as part of his diet had given him improved circulatory activity and as a result of Mosley's program I looked at my literature again and refreshed myself on it but I mean 40 40 years down the track you have to periodically (laughs) reinforce yourself and in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia which I was looking at this morning Chili, or capsicum as we prefer to call it, is referred to as a circulatory stimulant. And one of its major indications 
uh, for what are called peripheral circulatory insufficiency lesions. And that means, interestingly, for people that experience cold feet and cold limbs, that can really be a problem because it tends to indicate uh, very, very frequently that the circulation is not good. And elderly people particularly, whether it's in cold weather like this, Jane, or in, in ordinary weather, those individuals can eventually develop quite serious lesions uh, on their legs. And I've seen many of them over the years, things like varicose ulcers, for instance. What uh, listeners can take on board is that the regular use of what we're calling warming herbs is justified by our understanding that Mosley pointed out the other night, that herbs, particularly capsicum or chilli, and it doesn't have to be the real hot ones. People will immediately say, oh, I can't handle chilli. Well, chilli comes in various grades. But the use of chilli ongoingly causes uh, what you might call a mild vasodilation of the small blood vessels, which encourages blood flow into areas that have been compromised. So for people out there, and there are many of them, elderly people, that battle against uh, peripheral circulatory conditions who live in fear of the next ulcer breaking out or who live in fear of, of a circulatory problem leading to an infection, say, of their toes, as with diabetics. The use of a herb like capsicum, taken seriously, taken seriously as a component daily of one's diet, and if one doesn't want to take it and eat it, one can get capsules. They're a very convenient way to prescribe a, a chili in a, in a capsulated form which bypasses some of the immediate challenge that a taste has. But if, if one were to do that, seriously, I have seen it myself, it would improve the condition such that many of these stubborn lesions, which can be very compromising for people, peripheral ulcers, infections of that area, you can improve the game by interpreting these cold, in inverted commas, conditions by using herbs classically represented by capsicum or chili. So from Mosley's program and from our program today, don't just see the use of chili at any strength as being something to use occasionally. My point is, see it as being a primary remedy in older or more traditional systems of medicine used to promote improvement of circulation to the extremities. Today, for instance, people will be experiencing chillblains. If people were to take on board what I have said today, and start to use even encapsulated preparations of, of cayenne or chili, there will necessarily be some improvement in the chilblain experience. Now, there's one area where chili is very popularly used, not so much in Anglo countries, unfortunately, but all around the world, in South American countries particularly, but also in South Asia and Southeast Asia, it is part and parcel of the lifestyle. And I'll talk about, about it in a moment as to the way in which it can be used in other areas of equal importance very, very significantly and has been demonstrated very credibly from a clinical and scientific perspective. We just had a call in from somebody who mm. was wanting to clarify what you said about the herb, the supplement that went oh, with okay. curcumin. Yeah. A few moments ago, uh, we were talking about the way in which one gets the best result from turmeric or curcumin by combining with other substances. And the listener mentioned uh, the way in which it's well known that black pepper is a synergist with turmeric to enhance its, its uptake or assimilation. But I went on to say that from my experience and from my understanding of the literature, where inflammation is involved, as in joint conditions, 
curcumin, the active from turmeric, in my opinion, is better combined with the pineapple enzyme known as bromelain. I'll pause and say it again for the uh, listener that rang in. The supplement that I was talking about is called bromelain, B-R-O-M-E-L-A-I-N. It's easily procured and it is reasonably priced. It's very, very safe and it's an enzyme extracted from the pineapple. Excellent. Thank you, Dennis. Well, you were going to talk about cultures that yeah, um, look, I think use uh, chilli. Mm. Hmm. Well, I think it's important to mention um, that there's a lot of things that we can learn from other cultures. And fortunately, Australia is a, a beneficiary of that learning process by virtue of our multicultural designation. But if, for instance, in, in countries like India, now I've studied Ayurvedic medicine all my life and have conducted postgraduate programs in it. The way in which herbs such as uh, capsicum or chili, as we refer to it, are extolled as far as the systemic benefits that they have on the, on the human organism is quite incredible. In fact, the use of herbs such as pepper and chili is not just to improve uh, peripheral circulation. These things are seen as enhancing all aspects of body functioning, and particularly where we have digestive tracts, digestive systems that are dysfunctional, where loss of appetite has occurred, where a lot of digestive symptoms are occurring, uh, a lot of flatulence, um, disinterest in food. The way in which other cultures see these uh, particular herbs, chili and black pepper, as being agents which can improve interest in food, promote better uh, digestive processes is something we can also learn from and again explains why in countries like India and uh, particularly India this herb is used as I've said not just to promote improvement in cold peripheral symptoms but improve the whole digestive process. In fact interestingly and I'll not turn this into an ideological um, situation um, but um, what we'll, uh, what we'll talk about is the, the way in which, in Ayurvedic medicine, they refer to Agni, A-G-N-I. Now, Agni is considered to be a term that expresses, if you like, uh, one's vitality, one's get up and go. And this is associated with the way in which hot, warming herbs, particularly chilli, black pepper, and, and other forms of peppers, improve the organism, and as a result of that, there is an expression of vitality. So that in Ayurvedic medicine, people that are sluggish, lacking energy, poor circulation, experiencing cold conditions, uh, and even experiencing wet respiratory conditions, they would inevitably be placed by an Ayurvedic practitioner on warming herbs, probably the best representative of it, and that would be cayenne. Mm, cayenne. Dennis, we've got a caller on 49216216. Pat has rung in from East Maitland. Pat, you've got a question about an ear infection. Yes? That's right, love. Hello, Hello Pat. Dennis. How are you, Pat? Not too bad, thanks. Good, good. I've, I've got this infection in my left ear. Yes. I've uh, been to the doctor. I've just about finished my course of antibiotics. Yes. But my ear is very, very sore, still very sore. And now, is, is, are you um, talking about the internal part of the ear or the yeah. external part of the ear? Yeah, okay. inside my lug, you know. Okay. Now, how many um, episodes of antibiotics have you been using? Four a day. And you finished the course? Today. 
Is your ear discharging or anything like that? No, it just, it's so sore. Okay. What I, look, any, any soreness coming from inside the ear obviously needs to be medically monitored, monitored and treated. Uh, sometimes, however, an, an infection uh, can be taken up, but soreness can be a lingering symptom associated with, say, some of the inflammation that may have occurred um, in the sinuses or in the middle ear. What I suggest you do is don't disregard it. If it lingers, you must, and let me emphasise, you must uh, revisit your GP and get it f taken further, maybe a second course of antibiotics. But two things that you can try, which will not conflict with anything that your GP may or may not do. I have spoken uh, a moment ago about the use of bromelain, and you, and you may have heard me refer to the fact yeah. that it is very useful for sinus conditions, equally uh, valuable. It's uh, appropriate for all upper respiratory tract conditions, even eustachian tube catarrhal conditions. So what I would suggest you do, a beeline to your pharmacy and get hold of, say, some bromelain capsules and start to take those. But do, please don't overlook the, uh, the benefit that two herbs have had historically in addressing chronic ear conditions even before the advent of antibiotics. And those two herbs you would have heard me talk about, one of them is the American herb Echinacea. Oh, E-C-H-I-N-A-C-E-A. E-C-H-I-N-A-C-E-A. A-C-E-A, Echinacea, well-known herb. And the other herb is called Golden Seal. I've heard of that, yes. Now, both those herbs have a remarkable effect to address chronic recurring infection. So even if, even if this condition takes up or responds to perhaps a second episode of antibiotics, my advice would be to go on to Echinacea and Golden Seal for a period of time just to address any lingering possibility of the infection reasserting itself. So bromelain, bromelain yeah. taken as an anti-inflammatory mucolytic agent reinforced by those two herbs that address the infection potential. So they're tablets too, Dennis, They're they? primarily capsules. Where do you live? Yeah. You live in, 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 in Maitland. East, East Maitland. East yeah. Maitland. East Maitland. I'm across the road from the Green Hill. Well, look, whip over there, go to the pharmacy there. They know what I talk about. And yeah. um, you'll be able to get them from there quite easily. All the, well, thanks, Dennis. Thank all you. the very best with that, Pat. And we're moving over to Barnsley now, and Steve has rung in, 49216216. And, yeah, it's right on the topic, Steve. You're feeling cold. Hello, Steve. Hello. Hello there. How are you? That's Steve, is it? Yeah. How can we help you, Steve? I feel cold all the time. All the time. Um, especially these days. Yes, yes. As soon as the... The weather drops off. You're in um, trouble. You're in I'm, trouble. And quite a few years ago, when my wife was alive, yes. Um, well, in-laws. Yes. Um, through the brother-in-law's mother okay. uh, was Macedonian, and she used to make up a what they call they used to grow them banana chilies they look yes. more like capsicum yes, yes yes and she would make up um some sort uh, like fry it yes um in olive oil of yes. course yes now she also would add feta cheese yes and either 
because I've got older and yeah. feeling the cold more, yes. but I didn't feel the cold when I was having that. Well, that's obvious, isn't it? What I mean, we've been talking this morning about the way in which traditional cultures, and I'll pause for a moment and say this, in Newcastle we're blessed in as much that we have a lot of old European cultures being represented here, particularly, yeah. Mac particularly Macedonians. I see a lot of Macedonians, they're lovely people, I love them very much. And a lot of their traditional ideas on healing are very important and you must listen to them. And I say to young Macedonian kids here, or grand grandkids of Macedonian immigrants, listen to what your grandparents say because they have a mountain of traditional information that is very beneficial and should never be lost. And I listen to Macedonian people when they consult me and learn from them. Now, what you have said there is the way in which in that country where they have very cold winters, obviously, they have understood for many, many years the importance of herbs and foods which promote a sense of warmth in the body, primarily by their improved circulation through every tissue of the body. And I suspect that that banana chilli that you were talking about may have been one of those in Michael Mosley's program the other night that would have exploded like a, <laughs> like a volcano if you took it in large quantities. But getting back to your point, look, you've, you've verified everything we've been trying to say today. Traditional medicine knows that the regular use of hot warming herbs like chilli can have a dramatic effect on improving one's sense of warmth improving circulation and providing a degree of prevention or prophylaxis against wintertime conditions. Think of the guy that I was talking about from Tasmania who rang me up years ago complaining of, of chillblains and cold feet when he started taking uh, cayenne in, ca in encapsulated form. Months later he rang in and vouched for the benefit that came from doing that. Thanks for ringing in. You get back onto it. It's the cheapest and most safest way of getting warm. And of course, <laughs> a lot of Macedonians use Iva, don't they? Of that, they that do. mixture, and yep. that's um, readily available. So indeed. it might be something to add to the diet. <laughs> All the best with that, Steve. Uh, Faye from Kahiba has rung in. Now, you've had a fall, and as a result, you've got a sore thumb. Would that be right? Hello, Faye. Oh, sorry, Kelly, it is, isn't it? No? Oh, Kelly. I've <laughs> right, we're on the I wrong don't have line. A sore thumb, though. <laughs> uh, right, you don't have a sore thumb. You want to no. ask Dennis about menorrhagia. Yes, please. So, um, sorry, it's a bit off topic. No, no, so we, look, we, we talk about anything here. Menorrhagia is a, an experience that many ladies experience very heavy menstrual bleeding. Yeah, and, I wouldn't call it an experience, it's okay. more a curse. But you've experienced it for a long time. Yeah, yeah, and, about five years now, now unfortunately. Now, your, your doctor and gynaecologist has, has looked at it and is seeking to manage it? Yeah, so at the moment we're managing it with lysergic acid. Yes, okay. Um, yeah, okay, and well, I'm just wondering if, there's a, if, if that is natural, because I don't know much about it, and if there's an alternative. Well, look, if you're being treated by medical professionals, you must abide by their, their treatment. But having, having said that, it is quite remarkable um, the, the, the number of herbs there are that have a reputation of benefit in addressing very, very heavy period activity. This is because, this is because historically, this is a condition that women obviously have experienced and have only had a resort 
to using traditional medicine. And so there are a lot of uh, traditional medicines based on history proving that they are useful for addressing this sort of condition of heavy menstrual bleeding. One that I'm a great fan of, and I've had a lot to do uh, in recent years in introducing it uh, into Australia, is a well-known herb, very, very well-known, but for some reason I'm not, uh, really can't wor work out, it's never been popularly used in Australia, and the name of the herb is Greater Burnett. Okay. Greater Burnett. Right, that one. Uh, yep. Well, uh, this is what I mean. Yet, if, if one were to study what I refer to frequently as the Bible of Herbal Medicine, which is the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia of 1983, you would, you would find there uh, a, a monograph on that herb which confirms its usefulness in specifically addressing this condition. And I am thinking at this moment uh, of a young lady that I'm treating presently uh, in Cessnock who has had this problem ongoingly and who has not responded well to both uh, oral medication or um, other procedures that have been carried out on her. Since, mm. since she has been using uh, Greater Burnett, admittedly in combination with other herbs, the menorrhagia has taken up dramatically and her period has all but come back to normality. Now, that may not happen in every case, but you asked if there was a herb that could be yeah. thought of that might have the benefit. I mentioned the herb uh, Greater Burnett. If you, Google, mm -hmm. if you Google it up, you will see its benefit. And if you wanted to drop into my rooms in Alma Road, we could run off a copy of the monograph of the herb for you to look at. If I was in your situation, obviously it could be in your situation, but <laughs> if, if any of my uh, beautiful daughters or granddaughters were in that problem, I'd be suggesting that they think about using Greater Burnett. And do you know anything about lysergic acid? Is that natural or is that synthetic? Uh, is uh, it depends upon what... It, it, is, it is something that is extracted. It's a chemical uh, that... Um, okay. Yeah, put it that way. It's a chemical. It's a pharmaceutical. Okay. But look, don't, don't be too concerned about that. We all use things that, technically speaking, are the product of modern science. I do. Sure. I have no problem with that. I think the term uh, natural, perhaps, is at times a bit overused. Uh, sure. If you're doing well with what your medicos are prescribing, you work with it, but discuss with them also, because what I find increasingly, particularly in Newcastle, is there is an accelerating openness towards using sensible, documented, uh, complementary medicine in some yeah. of these conditions. For instance, to give you an example, yesterday in my rooms at New Lambton, I saw a lady that came in with a little boy about five years of age, and she sat down and she said, uh, he's one of yours. Now, I was a bit taken back by that because um, <laughs> I, I can assure you I'm not, I'm not out on the town every night. But I said, oh, she said, we came to you five years ago after spending a lot of money on IVF. We couldn't get anywhere. We took your fertility formula and here's the product and we want to go again. I said, do you really want to do that? And her husband looked at her <laughs> and they all nodded. So what I'm saying there is there's another example of where a female condition in this case infertility uh, was not able to be helped uh, after many trials by orthodoxy but by a sensible use of well-documented fertility herbs she fell pregnant and she's going at it again who have we got here we've got Faye who's rung in from Cahiba now you've had a fall and you've got a sore thumb Faye is that right well what happened was <clears throat> I was out with my son and um, I've got a very steep driveway and I live in unit four there and I said, I'll stop Aaron and I'll check the mail. Well, I've stepped out of the car and fell down on my hand. Oh, dear. 
and um, I had an X-ray and I had a scan, no breakages or anything. Mm. Uh, so Susan, my um, GP, said it's probably arthritis, and I'll mm. send you up to the hand rehabilitation up there in Charlestown. Okay. And they put a very stiff splint on. Yes. And I went to see a hand specialist, Brett McCallum, and he said, no, get rid of the um, the heavy one, put on a softer one, which I did. But the thing is, I'm so limited in what I can do with my right hand, mm. and they keep telling me it's arthritis. So I have a vague um, memory recollection of something about rose hip, something that can help arthritis. Is that so? Okay. Um, rose hip um, is well. It's a it's a berry, if you like, to keep it simple, and it is sometimes used as a means of reducing some of the inflammation associated with arthritic conditions. It's it's, right. it's one substance uh, that is used for that purpose. But listening to you. Um, I think your doctor's on the money as far as the diagnosis is concerned, but what I would be thinking might be better for you um, is to think around using, say, combinations of curcumin and bromelain. Now, how uh, do you spell that? Uh, curcumin, C-U-R-C-U-M-I-N. Curcumin. C-U-R-C-U-M-I-N. Curcumin. Yes. And bromelain, B-R-O-M-E-L-A-I-N. Curcumin and bromelain. B-R-O-M-E-L-A-I-N. A-I-N. Now, we were talking about those this morning, and there are numerous combinations in our health food stores and pharmacies that incorporate uh, curcumin from turmeric. Uh, I would think that using that would be a more logical and better documented, perhaps, way of giving you a little bit of relief. Uh, the other thing is also, uh, and I say this uh, frequently, don't overlook the benefits of the old-fashioned willow bark, the oldest anti-inflammatory agent in nature, which I can vouch for because I'm taking it presently myself for my bulging disc. So uh, willow bark also in preparations in encapsulated form with or without the use of curcumin and bromelain, I think I'd be moving down that track um, rather than go where you were thinking about and all the very best with that. Now, we're moving over to Clarence Town at the moment. And uh, Sue, uh, you've got a question about shingles. Hello, Sue. Yes. Uh, hi, Dennis. Yeah, I come out with shingles for the yes. first time last last week. Oh, dear, dear. And I tell you what, it's all around my face and eyes. Yes. And I'm just wondering if there's anything there that can help me with the pain still because it has cleared up a lot. It, it All the um, ulcers are busted. Yes. But the pain's still there. Look, with this with this condition, as you know, it's a herpes virus, and you seem to have got over the acute phase, which is good, but the area where you have experienced shingles is a very, very delicate area. So anything you were to do, even with topical preparations, would need to be done very, very cautiously and only under medical supervision. Uh, there is a, a topical preparation that's available from the pharmacist called Zostrix, Z-O-S-T-R-I-X, but you'd need to be very cautious. I wouldn't use it without medical monitoring or without medical advice because it could uh, irritate and inflame, but 
Uh, Zostrix, in fact, is based on, on a capsicum extract and is very reliable in subduing what's called post-herpatic neuralgia, which you have. But again, I come back to the point and we'll see it as not a desirable thing unless specifically medically monitored. Sometimes, and I say sometimes, the use of St John's wort as oral medication sometimes gives a benefit. Now, Dennis, we've um, also... Thank you for your call, by the way, Sue, and hope that helps. Uh, we've had a call from Carleen, but we're getting very close to the end of our time, and she's rung in about cold okay. legs and edema. So cold legs really is addressing what exactly about. what we've been talking about today. What I'd say very quickly, Carleen, because time's gone, take on board what we've said about using the warming herbs, but also if you have edema, you need to be managed with that properly because that could be coming from you from your heart discuss with your doctor the use of bioflavonoids one of them in particular called rutin r-u-t-i-n rutin is very effective particularly if there is lymphatic blockage and uh, um, the use of, of chili or cayenne might be useful. I say might be useful to improve your peripheral circulation. But because of this, you need to mention this to your GP so that he can vet what you're doing and monitor your condition. And all the very best with that. That is, Dennis, bringing us to the end program. of Health Naturally today. What a good We've had program. some great You've done questions. it again, Jane. You've done it again. <laughs>